This morning, we're going through and we're focusing on this word being anchored, uh, being anchored. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 20, it says, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, for God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Abraham waited patiently. I'm not really a a patient waiter at times. And uh, so when I was reading that, I've highlighted that. And uh, although it's not necessarily the topic for this morning, but now when people take an oath in verse 16, it says, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary and Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. What a great name. Um, And um, this is Hebrews 16 verse 13 to 20, which really, I'm going against all my kind of, I suppose, somewhat preaching principles in the sense that we're not going to unpack these verses, but I just, that phrase, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Of course, that anchor being Jesus, his life, teachings, death and resurrection and the eternal hope and uh, forgiveness of sins, defeating of the grave in the sense of and also hear that he is our high priest this is all about Jesus what I love about this turn of phrase is that it is an anchor for our souls an anchor for our soul this contrary to the options that are out there in our everyday lives But an anchor is something, I should have some things going on here. In fact, I don't quite know where I'm up to now, but there we go. Um, I've kind of lost it along the way because I've just delved into speaking. But anyway, an anchor is something that indeed is something you put down when the waters are treacherous, gives us some security, some stability. It builds trust and help us to remain a few, well, quite a few years ago um, now there, I had this opportunity to go to Sweden with a friend who is from there and, um, and his family have this, um, this little boat. And so we went out and I didn't realize in Sweden, uh, I think there are over something like 2000 little islands that surround Sweden. And so he said, we're going to go out in the boat and we're going to go and sleep on one of these little islands, which just so 
turned out to be basically a rock. Um, and it was horrifically uncomfortable. And, and I got bitten by a little creepy corley right in the middle of my head, um, which swelled up in the night. Uh, and so I, I was panicking, thinking, what's this on my head? Uh, I look like a Star Trek character, you know, the ones I'm talking about. And, um, uh, and, uh, and, it, and it swelled up. And, um, and anyway, and the reason why I tell that story is because as we, as we, we, we kind of pull up and, uh, and I... I, I, I I, was, I had no idea. I'd never been on a little boat before. I don't know anyone who owns a boat. And that was, it was like, oh, well, this is fantastic. Oh, yeah, captain of the ship, a little two-man thing. And, uh, and anyway, and so we pulled up, and I kind of just jumped out. And, and, and before he did, you know, he, he said, I've got to put the anchor down so the boat doesn't move. And, uh, and so he threw this, and it was this piddly little thing. But however, it meant that overnight, it didn't move. And there's something about this theme, this, uh, I suppose, for us to be able to uh, visualize and image this anchor. Because there are lots of anchors that we lean into at different points. For some, perhaps, there's, we, we, we seek this anchor in financial security and perhaps in relationships, whether it be a spouse, our kids, our partner, our friends, there's this place of acceptance and this anchor that we think will, will always be there. Or perhaps particularly in, um, certainly in modern society, we have this anchor of our personal image projected on, uh, on social networking sites. And essentially these things are fragile and have a, they're prone to failure at different points because we let one another down or this personal image that we can portray is so often fake and not real. And, but then for, for, for also as well, we, we try and find our anchors in homes and cars and labels and watches and all of these possessions that we can have. And I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with these things, of course, but they're not the anchor of our souls. In fact, in society, much of these are all external. Of course, they're temporary, often substitutional saviors, really, and they don't last. They've got an expiry date. There's a time up which we, which we all know. But the Bible speaks into the condition of the human soul and spirit. It uncovers the reality of all the other fragilities of these things. So perhaps today I would like to speak about our ultimate anchor that gives us that stability to remain that when the treacherous waters of life, not just things that go on externally, but things that go on internally as well, that we wrestle with and juggle and balance and in fact the main way that we encounter Jesus of course is reading the Bible is through his life and story and teachings when we read the Bible and I think it's so important in fact one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this 
prayer course that we'd be doing, and particularly this week in contemplation, is that the thrust of that is about encounter, is about experience, it's about beyond the learning, beyond the education, beyond the words, it's that quietness of soul and spirit that gets beyond the clutter of even the images that we have, and there's a place of transformation that can't be found anywhere else. And actually, part of the point in us reading the Bible of course is to encounter the God of the Bible so we read verse or sorry Psalm 27 verses 1 to 10 as I mentioned this for me is what I would call an anchor verse an anchor anchor verses that when when life gets tough when even through no fault of my own people say or do things that hurt. Where do I run? How do I respond? When I'm overwhelmed with life and responsibility and I'm questioning the very foundation of of things that I've built life on even at times as we all do at different points, what do I come back to? For me, Psalm 27 Verses 1 to 10 of when I am fearful, I remind myself, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Or as in in the message version, light, zest, this is God. Right, okay. This is how I anchor myself. Another one of, um, I've got two um, verses that I would call my anchor verses. Um, the other one would be Isaiah 61, verses um, uh, 1 to 3. And I've mentioned this before, so I won't unpack it too much, but essentially, you know, this is something that I, I really lent into when I was young and felt that God drawing me to a sense of ministry and, and, and service. And in Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Now, this of course a prophetic verse applying to Jesus. Do I think that I am Jesus? No. In fact, when, when I felt, when I sensed that these verses had a resonance with my life, I didn't even know that that's where they applied. I'm not that arrogant nor self, uh, uh, you know, involved in that sense, I hope. But there's something of a theme that I lean into and say, right, What's the theme, the trajectory, the flavor, the character that I would hope and aspire for my life to be able to orient around? And whenever there's questions of difficulty or future or, 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 or immediate things in the present that I'm doubting or wrestling with, I go to these two sections of verses in the scripture. Yeah, you know, I lean into verses of scripture that are thousands of years old 
but yet have a truth about not modern day society perhaps other than by the condition of the soul because as a church we are in the business as it were of the condition of our souls we're not here nor for entertainment purposes to ruffle feathers or to make sure that we're all nice and polite to one another but in the business of the soul of encouraging one another to become more and more like Christ. Nothing wrong with events, nothing wrong with entertainment. Don't, please don't mishear me this morning. But I wonder, what are the verses for you? That when the treacherous waters of life, what anchor do we throw over? Where do we look? Where do we lean? For me, there's been a few benefits to having these verses over the year that I wanted to share with you that may help, but equally, they're not conclusive. There are probably many or more reasons for us all as well. But certainly these verses over time have helped bring a clarity, a clarity to life. I saw, um, I don't know whether you've seen this clip of, of Michael McIntyre, and he does this little sketch about um, uh, hazard lights on our cars. And I thought, that's brilliant. Right in that, he does this whole set, and he's absolutely hilarious. I'm not even going to try and, uh, and do it because I wouldn't do it justice. But essentially, it really made me think those moments where you see something and you have to put on your hazard lights. And essentially, it just brings clarity. That moment where you're driving down the motorway and you see something up ahead and other people have got their, their hazard lights on. And we think, right, no, I need to put mine on to let people know behind that there's a hazard up ahead. Or perhaps with our hazard lights, we bring a bit of clarity of thanks as well when somebody lets us in. And we start, well, it's not a warning, but we, man, particularly being Brits, we certainly wouldn't want someone to think that we weren't thankful. And so we let people know with our hazard lights, as it were, in that sense. And actually, there's that moment where you see something and it just brings clarity. This is the situation. And actually, this is where I'm going to lean into. Perhaps with some of the verses that we have heard, and there are probably many more around the room. Or perhaps we may not have those at the moment. That's okay. Perhaps we need to and want to delve into that and go, okay, what does that look like? But certainly with clarity, these verses that for me have often when life gets complicated or I easily get distracted, these help me to keep the main thing the main thing. One of the enemies of growth is complexity. When life gets like a spider web, I think it says in, in, uh, in Psalm 6 or 7, and uh, talks about how with some of the choices and decisions we can make our own, it's like there's a spider's web that we can build around us through bad decisions. And often it can get so complex. And simplicity is not easy. It's way easier for us to have really cluttered spaces, office desks, homes, lives, whatever, real clutter, easy to have cluttered minds and hearts. Simplicity and clarity actually really takes intentional discipline consistently applied for growth. And I think with this, for me, whether, you know, I went 
Years ago, I went for an interview in recruitment. A friend of mine is, does very well for himself in, in London, and um, I was at a bit of a crossroads and just saying, Lord, I don't know, don't know what this looks like. I, you know, if I'm honest, Lord, I don't even know if I want to continue to journey in ministry. I'm not sure because, you know, it's got to be of God. And, uh, and so I went for an interview in recruitment and I put my suit on and got the train down to London and, uh, and went to, uh, to bank uh, that place and I, walk, and I walked out, blimey, it's where all the banking industry is and all these people. And I thought I had a nice suit on and then when I, I stepped out onto the footpath, I thought, my goodness, this looks like a, this is like from the 80s or something. I thought I was up to date, but this is very different. I'm not sure if I fit here at this moment in time. And then I went to this uh, amazing building and got in the lift and I stood in the lift and looked in the mirror and went this is not you some clarity Psalm 27 Isaiah 61 and I sat in the interview and after about 15 minutes chatting with this lovely guy and uh, and I just said I don't want to waste your time this isn't me I'm not for you and left. Nothing wrong with exploring. I'm being honest in the sense of our own journeys internally because we wrestle with things in life. But clarity, these things bring, and perhaps some verses for you have brought that. Also, I think that these verses for me over the time call out the best in me. Have you ever wondered why it takes less muscles to smile like that on the right than it does to frown it takes more muscles to frown but yet why is it easier why is it easier for us to frown and be downcast than it is to smile And yet there's something about that essentially these verses for me in my journey and perhaps for you in yours calls out the best. Because church, God wants the best for us and wants us to give our best. And it doesn't come naturally. But there's something in scripture for me in these verses that call out my best. Don't you settle, Jim Wilkinson. Don't you allow that to be the theme of your life, but allow the Bible, the heart of God, the will and ways of God to call out the best in our lives. This isn't just about smiling or frowning. Don't get lost in the literal illustration. It's metaphorical for the theme and tune and character of our lives. That God calls out the best. Jim, where do you want to dwell? In the house of the Lord. Don't fear. Because God's with us. He's our light and salvation. And I get scared. Don't think just because I can do this that I don't get scared. Don't misread me. Just like those of us that are quiet, don't misread people. We all get scared of things. We all get bogged down in fear at times. But just as Ali said earlier, that how many times does Jesus say, do not fear? We all get scared. Let's not be hard on ourselves. Let's practice a bit of self-kindness and compassion here. 
Fear is very real. Perhaps some fear is helpful. There's fear as friend and fear as foe. The fear that says, don't put your finger in the fire, you're going to get burnt. I like that, friend, thanks very much. I'm, ha- I'm happy with that fear and that warning. But the foe who says, you can't do that, that's not you. You shouldn't go there and you can't speak that and there's no way that you can raise your game to that level. And there's no way that God's telling you to do that or calling you into that. No, no, that's not my friend, that's my foe. In those instances, my friend, is the scriptures, the life verses, the anchors that I want to try and lean into to say, okay, I want to call out the best in my life. In fact, I didn't know you were going to mention those verses, nor did I know the reason why, but one of my illustrations is though, even though it's more rewarding for us to eat healthily and gives us a better quality of life and better chances of long life, it takes real effort to do so, and I myself... Uh, share a journey with Jill as well uh, in some of the reasons she mentioned earlier. Man, I just, you know. So there's some of these things where we want to say, how do I call out the best in me? Because God knows that he's calling out the best in us. To step toward our destiny, we may have to step away from our security to step toward our destiny we may have to step away from our security to step into trusting God I kind of picked this picture of course with it being South Africa just winning the World Cup of rugby and beating England in the final and I know that the, I can't remember the, the chap's name forgive me but um, some may do but being the, the first black captain and um, of the South African team to win the World Cup and um, amazing just amazing and when you think about the journeys of all of these people stepping toward their destiny calling out the best in themselves as professional athletes to reach their potential so I think God wants to call out the best in us but I also think he wants us to call out the best in us beyond fear beyond apathy beyond the unhelpful contentment where we settle although I acknowledge to be content in all things is perhaps a different principle which we could probably unpack at one point and I say that but of course these verses equally also bring me comfort comfort with strength To be comforted by God is not a weakness, but indeed a fortress of strength. When we read Psalm 27, when I fled to God, there's something that when we're fleeing to God, we're not retreating, but we're running to a fortress of strength and hope. Even though for me, these verses In 27 verse 10, father and mother let us down, fail us at times. God never does. We've all probably had different journeys with parents in our lives in in different ways, and that's okay, I acknowledge that. But equally, what I'm encouraging us is that we look to God as our heavenly parent, as our heavenly father. 
and he comforts us. When life and the waters are treacherous and difficult and we get bashed around and beaten up at different points in lots of different ways, that having these life verses can bring us comfort. So, I think there are lots of different ways that we can discover a life verse. And perhaps some in here are just quite simply for us perhaps being reminded of those verses that we have lent into. And perhaps we haven't lent into them for a long time. That's okay. Maybe it's time that we can start to. Or perhaps for some of us, maybe you say, well, Jim, I haven't got these verses. I mean, you're just lucky. You know, how, how has that happened? Well, look, okay, actually, I think there can be a process as well and a journey that we can go through to discover these. And Because I, I don't think that, they are, um, that they're all set in stone uh, and, and maybe there are others um, that we lean into as well. But certainly, I think that when we're discovering a life verse, there can be more than one. It doesn't have to be one verse or one chapter that we think that's where we stay but perhaps it can be more than one maybe from a baptism or a dedication for for however many years ago or perhaps an early meaningful bible reading that somebody pointed us in the direction of that we've read and gone ah you know and I can't really explain it other than through a yes there's something when you read it and you just go yes perhaps it's helpful to pray and look over many different verses and not rush the process of discovering a life verse or anchor that we put down. Don't rush it. Some, I think, will be seasonal. Others will be stickers. They'll stick around for a long time. There's a, these two chapters I've read for me stuck around for a long, long time. Others that have kind of come and gone, and that's okay, but, but there'll be some that are real stickers uh, on that journey. I think that a real good life verse has a call to action. Has a call to action. Brings comfort, but causes action. So when I read Isaiah 61, and I read the themes of, that, that are in there, and bringing freedom to those who are trapped, comforting those who mourn. I've got I to gotta do something because I, I think as church, we're here to act. We're here to be, but, but do as well. And, you know, there's times where we need rest, but I think that rest is also active resting. Like at the gym, active resting is when my coach tells me to get on the rower or the bike and says, well, that's your rest. I mean, this isn't rest, mate. I'm not resting right now because I'm rowing. What I'd like to do is sit down and have a cake and a coffee, thanks. That's rest. And nothing wrong with that, perhaps. But there's a difference with active resting as well. And so there's a call to action. But I do think that also that they can be personalized. And, you know, with these, if I just take a step back, sorry, with call to action, I meant to say that it doesn't have to be exactly defining what we do. You know, I've met people over the years that say, well, I get up in the morning and pray which way to drive to work. Really? I just get up and drive. I might look at the sat-nav and see where there's no traffic. You know, I think God's given us a brain to decide perhaps how we get up and the journey we drive on and the clothes we wear and the colours we paint our houses and various things. Now, 
However, there may be perhaps the odd occasion where we feel a sense of God leading us to go on a certain journey or perhaps paint a certain color. Yeah, okay, I want to be open to the prophetic voice of God, but am I going to build my life on that every single day? Um, I think perhaps God's also given us intelligence, wisdom, brains to make our decisions as well. So this doesn't have to be a verse that exactly tells us what to do, but I think there'll be a theme, a trajectory of where we start and where we're heading. That can be, that can be helpful about who we are and who we're becoming and can be deeply personal. There's something about this that where it resonates with heart and mind, even body. You know, there's that verse in Proverbs that says that, that, uh, that scripture will be health to your bones, strength to your flesh. There's something really physical about the spirit and word of God that's packed in there with us. But also, I think these verses will be hope-filled. Whenever I go back to Psalm 27 or Isaiah 61, I come away with my head lifted, full of hope, saying, okay, I still know there's going to be some hurdles and some challenges. Doesn't mean it's going to be simple all the time. I'm going to have to go through some complexities, but I know that I'm full of hope because I have no one or nothing to fear. And God is with me. And I desire to dwell in his house which if we look through scripture as we get to the New Testament is Jesus, is you and I being the house together, not any set building or structure, but me to dwell within the purposes of God, with the people of God, that there's something about that. In fact, on... um, uh, on Wednesday in our, in our group, at the end of our uh, uh, prayer course, we had about 10 or 15 minutes of, of quietly contemplating or uh, meditating because the process of going through meditation to, to contemplation and getting to that, to that place where you're really encountering God. We just had 10 or 15 minutes with no words and encouraged one another to perhaps, you know, um, maybe read a scripture or something and, um, and someone kind of placed their Bible down and um, just randomly as it opened and, and someone else was reading these verses and with the feedback afterwards uh, someone said I was actually really disturbed because I was reading these verses in the Bible that were you know that were, that were, that were quite difficult to read and so we all smiled and, and chuckled because sometimes when you randomly open the Bible like a, a magic eight verse we can land on anything and there's some really particular particularly challenging verses that if you rip them out of context and, and we don't look at the bigger story, read it and go, why on earth is that in there? What, and, and is that really the character of God? And if we, if we don't wrestle with those things, I have big questions. Because if we just read them and go, oh, yeah, that's all right. I don't know, I read them and I go, put me in heck, that's difficult. I'm probably not necessarily going to use those as my contemplation meditation verses. It's something where there is hope when we read them and we lean into them and we go, yeah, yeah. Quite simply this morning, don't rush it. Perhaps if we're in a time of complexity and confusion and and difficulty, perhaps this is one way where we can say, Lord, I need some clarity. Be reminded of those verses we've lent into or perhaps to say, Lord, I want to go on a journey of discovering how, what is it you're saying? 
Help me find them. We can do that together. You can do that with someone. You can do that on your own. It may well be that we're in a time where we just need comfort and there's those verses we can lean into. Or perhaps we're at a time where God is calling out our best. Perhaps we're at a time where we're saying, Lord, it's not about me doing, it's not about me and my own strength. It's about encountering your spirit and being transformed. And yeah, I want to give my best and call out my best. I don't just want to settle. And I think God wants to call out our best in our work, at our home, with our friends, with our church, calling out our best. And I wonder then what we will see happen, what we will be a part of when we lean like that.